Running away from people now, 20, 10, and gone. Moniel, 67-yard touchdown run. I've got reporters' <laughs> notebooks older than Seth. Fati was always soft. Can't uh, win on the road, they say. <laughs> DeVito pop pass, end zone, touchdown, and the ball game. DeVito in relief, wins it for the Orange. This is Orange Nation, brought to you by Charles Heating and Air Conditioning with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. We welcome you to a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. Stephen Fonte, Seth Goldberg with you. 315-437-7644 is the number if you'd like to get involved. We're going to talk a lot of Q's football today as we lead up uh, to an important Week 2 game against Maryland. It does very much feel like a swing game, Seth. As you look at the first half of the schedule... I think we have a, a pretty good feel for how that the first, let's say, five games are going to play out. Maybe with the exception of this one. Liberty, Western Michigan, Holy Cross, you feel like easy wins. Clemson, man, that's going to be a, a tall order. If we're all being honest, that that's probably a loss. Uh, this Maryland game, though, it very much feels like a toss-up. And when the odds were released... Syracuse was a five-point favorite, and almost immediately the line started coming down to the point where last night I checked, and Maryland's a two-point favorite. The line has swung seven points over the course of the last 48 hours. Fast. Expectations are changing. And And I wonder how much of it is, oh man, Maryland beat Howard 79 to nothing. How much of it is... Tommy DeVito struggled a little bit in his opener. And Syracuse, quote-unquote, only beat Liberty by 24. 24-0, but I think people are a little concerned um, about the offense. And now we get to this point heading into Week 2 where Syracuse is all of a sudden going on the road for a game against a, a Big Ten opponent, and they're a slight underdog, for whatever that matters. And, and again, I... I'm not, I'm not here to say that the the players and coaches care about that. If anything, it might give them a little added motivation, a little bulletin board material that they're ranked 21st in the country. They're going on the the road to take on a a very average Big Ten team and a a team that was very average last year, and and they're the underdog. So if anything, maybe it gives them a little bulletin board material. But for whatever that matters, I mean, it matters to us. You know, we're talking about it. We hear from the fans that, you know, I think a lot of people around this town are nervous about this Maryland game because you know the the expectation coming into the season was well 2-0 start and game day is going to be here and Clemson is going to be here and it's going to be a top 20 showdown and in order to get all that though you have to go beat Maryland Syracuse, Syracuse has to go out and beat Maryland I think there are a lot of nervous fans around town this week yeah they might be um you know and, and to your point uh, a lot of what the preseason hope had been revolves around actually going and getting a win uh, this weekend. the The reality is uh, game day. Um, you know, Brent, Brent seems to think, and I think said on the show uh, yesterday afternoon that he thinks game day is coming no matter what. But I, I find it hard to believe that they'd be interested in coming when when Syracuse is coming off a loss and and you know uh, it's just a one and one and not, out of the top not 25, top twenty five right. team. Um, you know, with with a loss to Maryland on the road, who, as you mentioned, Steve, a very average Big Ten Big Ten opponent. It's not like you're going and playing in Ohio State or, or somebody who's you know top of the Big Ten or top of their conference. Um, there's a Maryland. Team that went six 
and six last year, and even at that, I think may have been playing a little bit better than they were given you know everything that went on uh, in the off season. Uh, you you have to go. You don't have to go win this game. You know, I, I kind of alluded to it yesterday. I picked the record at eight and four, but I don't know where three of the four losses are coming from. And so this very well could be one of those. And if you finish the year at eight and four, you're still having a good season. Right, like that's still a good year. If you finish the year nine and three, it's still a good year. That could include a loss to Maryland on Saturday. So, um, you know, I'd, I don't look at it and say like, "Hey, if you don't win the game, everything that you're hoping for this year is out the window." Because I, I don't necessarily think that's the case. Um, everything you're hoping for for next weekend might be out the window, but everything you're hoping for for this season might not be out. I, I think it's far from gone if you drop a game on the road at Maryland. Interesting that you just said you don't have to win this game, and I understand where you're coming from because your goals are all still on the table. This is not an ACC game, obviously. It used to be. It's not an ACC game anymore. Was it ever with Syracuse? One time. They played one okay. time as ACC opponents. Um, but it's not an ACC game anymore. And theoretically, all of your goals are on the table. If you lose to Maryland, even if you lose to Clemson, again, we established this at the State Fair. We said, realistically, the goal this year, the high-end goal, is the Orange Bowl. Be the second-best team in the ACC. You're coming into the season. You figure to be the second-best team in the ACC. So finish the season like that. You're going to the Orange Bowl, and you're 10-2 exactly. and two or 9-3, and three, whatever the case may be. And even if you lose to Maryland, all of that is still on the table. However, if you lose to Maryland then the margin for error to become the second-best ACC team is now minuscule, assuming you lose to Clemson the next week. You can only afford like one more loss to be the highest-ranked ACC team after that. Right. Um, and while you say that Syracuse doesn't have to win this game, again, technically you're right, but given everything that that next week would mean... Yep. You kind of do have to win this game. Yeah. No, it, so, again. So I, I'm going to disagree with you on that. <laughs> I, and, and I understand what you're saying. You're like saying I, that, you know, for, and, and by even, the letter of the law, you don't have to win this game. But I'm saying you do have to win this yeah, game. Yeah. I, I mean, look, I, I, I even said to, to get the season-wide goal, the season-long goal, you don't have to. But for, for the goal of what you want next weekend to be, you do have to win But it. But again, the goal about what you want next weekend, it's about so much more than just this season, right? I yes. mean, it feels... It feels bigger than one game, one season. This is a, I don't want to say program-changing moment because I feel like you've had a few of those over the course of the last three years with Dino Babers. But in terms of game day and what this would mean for recruiting and what this would mean about putting you in the national spotlight um, no, Steve, I, I will say national relevance. I, that's I what, say, that's no, what Doc Gross I, said many years ago when Syracuse said, was getting ready for Notre Dame. National relevance. <laughs> this game would have national relevance. Yeah, you, you said you don't want to say program changing. If 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 they were to win and, and all that were to happen next week, I would say program changing. I, I would take that step. Well, because if they lose forty five to three, it's but, not necessarily no, program but, changing. And, and I guess you're right, but. We've been talking about national relevance, and they finished the year in the top 15 last year, and they beat Clemson two years ago, and it's like gotten them there a little bit, right? But what is the show of record? What is the the one thing that every college football fan watches on a Saturday? Game day. It might not be the game, right? Because there there are many games on at Who the same time. Who did Lee Corso pick? But, right, what, what mascot right, right. head did exactly. he put on? What mascot head did Lee Corso put on? That is one thing that I think every college football fan sees. And you know what? If it's here in Syracuse, he's either, and let's be real, he's not going to be putting on the auto head, but he's probably going to hold it up. And then, maybe throw the crowd, it, and then maybe throw it to the side. <laughs> right? But like, 
that's something that's gonna be out there and and like to me yeah that that's kind of like a hey you made it because for the last 20 years game day has been the show of record um in college sports it's been the show that every college football fan watches and Syracuse has been highlighted on it exactly one time they've been the game one time it's been when they were on the road they lost by by how many million points to to one of those Miami teams and they haven't been on the show since let alone hosting it they have never hosted that show so for for game day to show up at Syracuse University for game day to show up and sit on the quad outside Hendricks Chapel or outside the dome or or you know between the physics building and Carnegie Library where normally we are doing our radio show leading up to the game for for college game day for that show to show up and and highlight your game because when they're there they're really focusing on your game a lot and they'll do a feature on the 44s and they'll do something about Floyd and and Jim Brown and Ernie Davis and they'll do something about Dino Babers and there's so much there but they have to come here, right? And they haven't done that yet. And so I really think that that can be program changing because there are so many people out there who say, oh, Syracuse, that's new. It's such right? a recruiting tool. Yeah. Oh, Sy- Syracuse, that's that's a new name in the top 25, but they know nothing about Syracuse football. And so if game day's actually here and they're sharing some of those stories and they're telling you about Syracuse football and you're like, Jim Brown went to Syracuse? Like, what? Oh, they won a national title once? Tim like, Green's story will yeah. be told, I'm sure. I mean, he's going to get his number retired next right. weekend. So that's a story that gets shared and told. Um, yeah, that's that's like program changing. If you have people out there who don't know anything about Syracuse, and all of a sudden there's a three-hour pregame show on your campus, they're going to learn something about your program. And, and I said, you know, they, you know, what if they lose 45-3? to three? I don't think that's going to happen, by the way. I mean, I don't expect them to win, but... As we've seen over the course of the last two years, I mean, Syracuse has has closed the gap to some degree, and they've figured something out in terms of how to play Clemson close. Maybe the strategy is knock out the starting quarterback. I mean, they've done that two years ago. It is it is good strategy. It gives you a chance to win. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I I don't think it's going to be forty five to three. My point is, is if if game day shows up and it's the eight o'clock game, you know, on on ABC Saturday night, and they and they lose by three touchdowns or more, I think the line's about that, right? Yep. It was it's about a three touchdown line. You know, if they lose thirty five to ten, um, you know, do you look at it as program changing? But it's it's definitely a step in the right direction. Just to have game day Certainly. there, and you're absolutely right. It spotlights your program, spotlights the other program as well. I mean, there's going to be a lot about Clemson, I'm sure, but it spotlights your program as well and your campus and and what this could be. And man, that plays really well to recruits. You yes. know, again, even if you go out and and even if it doesn't go your way this year, Dino can go in somebody's living room and say, you know, we're we're getting there. We're getting. This is the progress. Four and eight. Four and eight. Ten and three. Not, you know, game day, top 25 preseason ranking for the first time in forever. You know, inside track for the Orange Bowl. Um, he's got some things to work with now. I mean, before it was belief without evidence, and he was selling everybody on, on the vision and selling everybody on his track record at smaller programs. Now he's got some evidence to, to go into the to the living rooms with. You know, he's got some ammunition to go into those living rooms with and say, you know, this is what I've done. Look at where this program was when I took over. And now three years in, 10 and three, start the fourth year with the preseason ranking, third game in, you know, we're two and0 and we've got game day and, and you know we've got the, the national champs in town. you know, this is what it could be. Close your eyes, you know, this is what it could be. Um, so, so then so how you're important right, is this weekend's game and getting that? I think it's enormous. I do. And I know people say that and, and that's why I kind of took issue with what you said about they don't have to win. And I know you didn't mean it like that, but I think this is a enormous game for so many reasons. Um, 
And I, I've heard people around town refer to it as a trap game. This is not a trap game. A trap game is when you think you don't have to take the opponent seriously because you've got the big one next and you're caught looking ahead. I don't get the feeling at all, Seth, and I don't know about you, but I don't get the feeling at all that this team is looking ahead. No. Based on what Dino has said, we heard from the players last night, based on what they've said, and I think they they know how important this game is. So um, I don't buy that phrase at all, that, that it's a trap game. Um, a trap game might be... Um, you know, Middle Tennessee State a few years ago, or you know, if Western Michigan was coming to town before Clemson, and you kind of took, you know, well, we beat them last year, and you know, we didn't even play that well, and you know, it, and we still won, right? And it was still, at their play. So that's like, a trap game, yeah. but but this Maryland team, you know, when you have the coaches saying they were a quarterback away from winning eight to ten games last year, and now they got Josh Jackson, and they just put up a hundred points, you know, seventy nine points against Howard and and you struggled a little bit with your offense and I mean everything surrounding this game, I don't think this is a trap game at all. No. No, I don't think they're overlooking it in the slightest. I, I don't think that there's anybody on that staff in that players' room that is overlooking this game. And and to your point, Steve, um what Brian Ward said yesterday was really interesting. And and I think that that's and I think they something, firmly believe that's, that that's something really to think about. Where he he said no, like they they were good enough, right? They they were a good talented team last year. Um, I, I mean that to me that's as clear cut a sign that they aren't overlooking this game as anything else. All right, we want to hear from you. Do you think this is a? I, I hate using the term must win. Okay, so I'm I'm not going to use that phrase. No. But I guess how big is this game in the grand scheme of things? How big is this Maryland game? Uh, for you. 315-437-7644. We've got to take a timeout. We're back after this on ESPN Radio. Right. Good so they're, NBA they're good <laughs> NBA players, but they've been thrown together because they all said yes. They're not necessarily, like, USA Basketball didn't pick and choose these guys. They weren't the top picks. They so, will next year. Right. I mean, in the Olympics, people will want to play for the Olympics. You think so, but yes. I, that's well, become I, a bit of a question well, now. And to be, no, to be, to be I, honest... It's the Olympics. To okay. be honest, There's I thought still that people, the lore for the Olympics. To be honest, I thought that people were going to want to play this year because look at what the tournament is. The tournament's in China. It's in, yeah. you know, it's, it's in Shanghai and Beijing and, and in like... The, the emerging market, air quotes. To right? your where, point, where it's I think, such a big deal. I think I think you hit it on the head, Seth, when, when you said that a few guys, big name guys, said no, like LeBron, like I'm doing a movie, like I, I can't do it. Right. And when and I think things snowballed and the domino effect of, oh, well, he's not, well, I wanted to play with him. Oh, he's not doing it. Well, I'm not going to do it. You know, if. If KD's hurt and LeBron's not doing it... And all of a sudden, De'Aaron Fox is deciding, I don't want to be the best player on a team that loses. Right. So I I think for a lot of reasons, like this isn't shocking to me that they're struggling. It's it's not. It's so it, no. It's not it's, a disgrace. But it's being compared to other USA teams. They are so much better than Turkey. Still, even with their G squad, these guys are better than Turkey. Yes. You're comparing it to other USA teams. But my point is, is like for Turkey, this means everything. Okay. It's a much bigger deal for them. All right, for the U.S., it's like, oh man, can we survive this game against Turkey? Like they're they're going through the motions. They are whether whether you want to admit it okay. or not, they're going through the motions. Because if they weren't going through the motions, they would have beaten Turkey by twenty. Because yeah. I agree with you, they, they would have won by players. more than one in overtime. They have better players, but for Turkey, this meant everything. All right, we got to take a timeout. We'll kick off hour number two right after this on ESPN Radio. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Stephen Seth back with you on a Wednesday edition of Orange Nation. Uh, we'll have a couple of guests lined up for you heading into tomorrow. Mike Waters will be here in studio from 12 to 1 o'clock. Uh, Nate Mink. 
from Syracuse.com will be here from 1 to 2 o'clock co-hosting with Seth. I'm out of the office tomorrow with a prior commitment for News Channel 9, so Seth will be handling the show again. Uh, Mike Waters in from 12 to 1 to talk some basketball, and then Nate Mink uh, will talk some Cuse football from 1 to 2 o'clock. Since we have a short segment here, Seth, before we get to today's business, I I came across this on Twitter, and I I wanted to pass it along. I feel like now is a good time to bring this up. So I came across a list of all the starting quarterbacks in the NFL and how they affect the point spread from week to week. So, for instance, if Aaron Rodgers plays or doesn't play, how much does that affect the point spread? There are seven guys on this list, seven quarterbacks, that affect the point spread by a touchdown. If they were not playing, the the spread would move by a touchdown or more. And I, I'm for, for a touchdown, I'm saying six points or more. Okay. Okay. So there are seven quarterbacks in the league that affect the point spread by a touchdown or more week to week. Um, and I want to get to the bottom of this poll, which is is very. It's not a poll. It's it's okay. it's factual. You know, information from Vegas. How much the line shifts based on whether or not a quarterback plays. So should I, I ask? To, uh, should I ask the the folks at the Yellow Brick Road when I'm there tomorrow? There you how, go. How how much this is uh, legit? Great question to bring up. Um, so we'll get to the bottom of this in a second. Um, but let's start with the the top here. Can you can you guess? I'm sure you can guess many of the the quarterbacks in the top seven, but. Uh, who affects the point spread the most in the NFL? So I'd imagine Tom Brady. Tom Brady, yes. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees. Yes, those are three. Rodgers uh, affects the point spread the most of any quarterback, seven and a half points. That's wild. Uh, Brady is worth seven points. Brees is worth six. So you've got three of the seven out of the way. Okay, I'm curious why the difference. Um you can ask tomorrow. I can. You're right. Um, this is where uh, Mahomes does. Yes. He's, uh, he, he affects the point spread by seven points. Okay. Um, this is where it gets more difficult. Yes. And there's, there's a name on the list that I would not expect. I mean, like Philip Rivers? Yes. That's the one. Oh, okay. Six and a half. <laughs> he affects right. the spread by no, six and a half. No, he affects it more than Drew Brees. That's surprising to me. Like, I would think Drew Brees is a bigger piece, bigger player there. Um Okay, so I've got, what, five? Yeah. You're doing um, very well, by the way. And I, I, there's no shame if you don't get the other two. But, Carson Wentz? Uh, Carson Wentz is on there. Six and a half points. So you're missing one. This, okay, I'm trying to think. Um, I'm trying to think more of who it isn't. Uh, or who I would think it's not. Is it Russell Wilson? It is. You nailed it. Nice. You got all seven. He affects the point spread by seven points. Some guys who just missed the cut, uh, Matt Ryan, five that, and a that half. That was another one that I was thinking. Uh, Big Ben, five and a half. Okay. Baker Mayfield's only four points. Uh, Cam Newton, four points. And, and on down the list. And, and so let me go to the very bottom of this, Seth. There is one quarterback in the NFL. Oh, no. There's a reason is, you're bringing this up. That is plus one. So by him playing, it actually negatively impacts his team's odds. Oh, no. And I think you, you can probably guess the one starting quarterback uh, that, uh, that I'm talking about. That, that one starting quarterback is Eli Manning. He affects the point spread plus one <laughs> when, when he plays. Amazing. So if the, so the Giants are currently underdogs at the Cowboys. I'll, I'll have to find the exact spread, right? So the, the Giants are currently underdogs to the Cowboys. Let's just say for the sake of argument that they're three and a half point underdogs, which I'm sure they're more than that. So theoretically, in theory, if Eli all of a sudden didn't start, it would be a two and a half point. Theoretically, spread. according to this, that is the case. 
That's unbelievable. Um, Tommy Hogan wants to know about Jacoby Brissett. He affects the point spread by a point and a half. So uh, Jacoby Brissett affects the point spread more than Eli Manning. Uh, the Giants are seven-point dogs, by the way. There you go. It would be six. It would be six if they just start Daniel Jones. It might be less than six if they just start Daniel Jones. Maybe he'd be a putt. Maybe. Maybe, maybe he'd, uh, he'd swing it back in their direction. There are, are three quarterbacks, three starters, who do not affect the line <laughs> at all. Oh, I like this. Can we guess on these? Go I like for this. it. Uh, since we always mention him, let's go Fitzpatrick. Yes. Fitzmagic, of course. You're nailing this exercise, <laughs> by the way. Um, who else is just... It's not even average. It's just who's bad. Um. Uh, is Brian Hoyer a starter? No, Brian, not Brian Hoyer. Um, 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 Case Keenum. Case Keenum affects the point spread. Not even a little bit. <laughs> That's awesome. Zero. Uh, Josh Allen. No, oh, okay. no, no. He he affects it by a whole point. Whoa. Yeah. Um. All right. I don't. I, I'm lost. I got two of them. Andy Dalton. I sh- okay. Sounds about right. So not a great look for those four teams. No, that's not good. When your starting quarterback does not affect the, the point spread at all. Your starting quarterback is a nothing. Um, I'll just, or worse than nothing. Just because I think this is fun, I'm just going to rattle off the guys who affected by one point. Uh, Joe Flacco, Josh Allen, Derek Carr, Kyler Murray, Marcus Mariota. Okay. They swing the point that's, spread by that seems, one point. I mean, that seems fair, right? Yeah. Like I don't. I have no idea what Kyler Murray is going to be. Marcus Mariota's kind of fallen out of favor. Uh, you know, Josh Allen is Josh Allen. Joe Flacco is on the downside. That all seems fair. So if Matt Barkley was starting against the Jets, the point spread would swing by one point. That makes me feel great as a Bills fan. <laughs> I thought that was fun. I came across. No, I wanted, I, like I wanted to pass it along. I like that list. That's. I, I'm intrigued by this stuff. Like how much does uh how much does home field affect these things? How much does the quarterback affect these things? I'm curious how much Zeke affects the line because that like where's Dak on that list? Uh, good question. Dak is right in the middle. Uh, four points. Okay. Like who has a bigger? Who do you think has a bigger impact on the Cowboys lines? Uh, Dak or Zeke? My gut says the quarterback, just because the ball's in his hands on every play. Um, but I, I bet of non-quarterbacks, I bet Zeke is very high in the list. If, imagine if he's not, high is not quarterback, yeah, say, right? If not at the top of the list. That would seem fair. Yeah. I, I would have thought Mahomes was at the top of the list, though, and he's second behind yeah. Rodgers. So. Okay. Well, in I mean, any that's event. not too bad. No, but in <laughs> any event. So I'm just saying, there might be somebody... Ask ask tomorrow ask the when you go tomorrow? Okay. if uh, if there's a, a non quarterback that it would affect the line more than Zeke. Yeah, I mean I'm, I'm curious because I it's not going to be a receiver because that's dependent on the quarterback. Is there so the question becomes essentially uh, is there a running back that makes a bigger impact on the game than Zeke does? Right. Yeah. And last year we saw like with with Le'Veon Bell. Being out and James, I mean James Conner played great. Yeah, you can so plug did, somebody else in. Did he affect the line at all? I mean, maybe a point or two. Let's get a quick phone call in uh, before we get to today's business. Joe and Camilla, up next on the show. Hey, Joe. Hey guys. Hey, just a quick point. I and Seth was uh, was allu- alluding to it. Um, the reason I think the reason why Vegas with the point spreads and things like that, I think you have to take into account the fact that uh, that Drew Brees. The only reason why he's six or you know would would be worth six points is because. His backup is, is, who's behind is better. So you got right. Teddy Bridgewater and you got uh, the other guy there. I forget his name. Taysom, whatever his name is. Hill. Taysom yep. Hill. Yep. Um, versus, you know, who even knows who New England's backup is now that they got rid of Jimmy. And, you know, uh, obviously if Aaron Rodgers goes out, 
you know, they got to bring in God knows who. So that's the only reason I was caught. I just want to let you know that's probably why. Yeah, and, and that's that's fair. And, yeah, no, we totally get that, and I, I appreciate you checking in, I Joe. I think it's Jared Stidham. He's going to win a game for the Patriots at some point this year, isn't he? That's how that goes? So do you think that, uh, like, it's interesting because, you know, talk based on that, like, if Zeke doesn't play, like, I think people feel good about Tony Pollard. Like, not he's not Zeke, right. but I mean, with with the offensive line, and you, you know, I mean, we saw it last year with James Conner. Exactly. Like, who would have thought James Conner would have had that kind of year? Right. James Conner comes in and and still produces not the same as Le'Veon Bell, but pretty close to what Le'Veon Bell did. And that's the, that's the thing about all the running backs, right? It goes back to what we were talking about with Tommy about Jared Goff. Is he a system quarterback? You know, is it just is it is part of it the system? Of course, part of it's the system. Of course, you know, Tom Brady in part is because of the system, but. You know, I mean, I, he's a he's a Hall of Fame quarterback of and maybe the best of all time, but he benefited from being in a great system. He's just the best system quarterback ever, is what you're saying. And he cheats. Did I just say that? I think you Did just the, got, I think you just hit both of the notes in, in succession there. Oh, I can't wait till Tom he Brady is a cheating system quarterback. Is go. what Steve just said. No, that's not what I said. <laughs> Hall of Famer, best of all time. I just can't wait for him to retire. All right, today's business coming up next.